Amen. Your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Our fourth Sunday of Advent, and we begin in our epistle to the Romans, the beginning of the epistle. And it is, if you will, Paul's thesis statement about the gospel. What is the gospel? And he takes the entire rest of this amazing epistle to fill in all of the contours about this good news. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. The first thing to notice in this thesis statement is that it's God's good news. It's the good news, the gospel, that comes from God. In other words, God always purposed to bring good news to his creation. His plan was always to bring good news into a bad news world. A world where sin and death and suffering and violence and evil were the bad news of the day. But he always purposed to bring his good news into that world. And to give his people hope until that good news appeared... He spoke hope through the prophets in the Old Testament scriptures. And over the last few Sundays of Advent, we've been hearing some of those hope-filled prophecies that have given an opening into what God was going to do through his prophets, in particular in this season, through his prophet Isaiah. We heard that a shoot will come up out of Jesse, who was the father of King David, Israel's great... And so the prophet... Israel's greatest king... And so the prophecy is is that the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who would save, is to come from the root of Jesse in David's line. And then we heard again that God himself will come and save his people. He wasn't going to send somebody else on his behalf. God had withdrawn his glory from the temple, but he promises that he himself will return to save his people. And then today, we hear that a virgin will conceive a child, spoken at a time to Ahaz, who was not a good king, who was also in the line of David, but was seriously not a good king. And and God says to him, 
ask of me a sign. As, as bad a king as you are, ask of me a sign. And, and Ahaz says, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and, and God's completely exasperated with him, says, I'm going to send you a sign anyway. And so as often is the case with prophecies in the Old Testament, they're a word to the situation into which they are spoken, but they are a deeper word of what God will do in the future, what will, God will do to bring about the good news. So it's a word for that time as well. A virgin, a young maiden, would conceive and bear a child, and before they were old enough, that which was prophesied would take place. But Matthew wants to make sure that his Jewish audience understands that it is also a prophecy about good news. And it's also a prophecy about Jesus. All this happened so that what the Lord said through the prophet might be fulfilled. Look, the virgin is pregnant and will have a son, and they shall give him the name Emmanuel, which means in translation, God with us. What God had promised that he, will, he himself will come and save his people is being fulfilled, has indeed been fulfilled in the birth of this child. We finished up the Gospel of Luke last year. That was our year C readings come from Luke. Our year A readings, which we're in now from the beginning of Advent, come from Matthew. And whereas Luke's incarnation story, the birth narrative in Luke, comes very much from Mary's perspective, we hear about her thoughts. So it's probable that Luke actually interviewed Mary to write his gospel, that he had firsthand from Mary what happened and her thoughts about what was happening. And so in Luke, we hear about the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. Matthew gives us this birth narrative from Joseph's perspective. This was how the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place. This is in N.T. Wright's Everyone translation. His mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she turned out to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband-to-be, was an upright man. He didn't want to make a public example of her, so he decided to set the marriage aside privately. But while he was considering this, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to get married to Mary. The child she is carrying is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son. You must give him the name Jesus. He is the one who will save his people from their sins. It's an absolute foundational tenet of the Christian faith that Jesus was born of Mary in the flesh, 
but conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the doctrine we know of as the virgin birth. Not to be confused with the dogma of the immaculate conception. Some people confuse those. They're not to be confused. The immaculate conception is a Roman Catholic dogma that came into effect in the 19th century, late, quite late, that says that um, Mary was conceived without sin. It was a way of trying to figure out why Jesus was born as a human but without sin. But it's found nowhere in the scriptures. The virgin birth is found in the scriptures and that's what all of our readings today are about. The virgin birth. A boy born of a virgin who remained a virgin until after the birth of this child. That's different than the original prophecy to the time of Ahaz. This is unique in all of history. And it's not to say that she and Joseph didn't come together after the birth of Jesus. In fact, Scripture tells us in the Gospels, when Jesus goes to his hometown and is preaching, and, and he's, he's preaching with such amazing knowledge, and everybody turns to themselves and says, isn't he the local handyman? How, how come he got this wisdom? Aren't James and Joseph and Jude and Simon his brothers? And aren't his sisters with us? And James, his brother, became the head of the Jerusalem church after his death, resurrection, and ascension. So although the Immaculate Conception is a late dogma to which we do not adhere, we do believe, and it's foundational for our faith, in the virgin birth. And the New Testament as a whole wants to make quite sure that we understand that Jesus was not conceived in the normal way of the coming together of a man and a woman. Jesus, the God-man, was born of a human mother through the power of the Holy Spirit. Although there were, of course, rumors about his birth, you know, she was pregnant before they were married. You know, he was probably cook-holded by her. There were those kind of rumors going around. Even we maybe see this in John's Gospel where Jesus goes and is talking to the Jewish seniors about who are Abraham's true children. And they turn to him and say, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we think that in this day himself. It's really appalling to think that in this day and age, 
If Jesus had been conceived now, an inconvenient pregnancy might have ended in the murder of the Son of God before he was even born in abortion. And yet we hear that Joseph was an upright man, a good man, so maybe not. But why is it important? Why is this foundational doctrine of the church, which we adhere to when we recite the Nicene Creed, why is it important? Why did Paul need to talk about it? Why was it in the Gospels? Why is it so important that Jesus was conceived miraculously? A human mother and through the divine working of the Holy Spirit. Because this child who grew up to be the man had to be fully human and yet fully divine. And there were councils as to how that happened. If you want to read one, it's in the back of the Book of Common Prayer, the Council of Chalcedon. But for him to rescue us from our sins, he had to be completely like us, fully human, of a human mother. To substitute himself for us, to take all of our sins on himself in our place, to die for us so that we might live with him. That required him being us. It required a human parent. But God had said that he would come himself. He himself would save us, and only God can forgive sins. So this God-man, Jesus, is conceived in the womb of a human girl by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says this, the gospel concerning his son, the good news concerning God's son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. In other words, Jesus fulfilled the messianic prophecies by being born from the root of Jesse, descended from David according to the flesh, but was seen to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness when he was resurrected from the dead. In other words, everybody who knew Jesus, who walked with him, who talked with him, who heard him preach, who saw him heal, had inklings, but it wasn't until he was resurrected from the dead that they realized he was not merely human. 
because he appeared completely human to everybody who came in contact with him. But after the resurrection, wow. So the story that Mary told is true. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, without the resurrection, the story of the virgin birth of a man born of a woman through the power of the Holy Spirit would have been no more than a myth. It would have been Mary's story, just told as a story. But the resurrection gave it its truth. In the words of Tom Wright, without Easter, nobody would ever have told the Christmas story. Imagine that. All that we're looking forward to in this Advent season, Christmas Day, we would not have had Christmas Day without Easter. He says, ponder that when battling the seasonal mammon worship in which, as Marx Riley noted, purchasable commodities become the incarnation of the rival god, small g. But mammon doesn't raise the dead. But this God-man, through God's power, does. So in this fourth week of Advent, I invite you to look at the obedience of Mary in a scary time, carrying a child as a virgin and yet obedient to God's call. To Joseph, he knows it's not his child, but he listens and is obedient to the angel. It's a time for us to think about our obedience, but also to know, know that the deepest truth is that this child was born with a human mother through the divinity of the Holy Spirit so that we might live, so that death would no longer have power over us because God can raise us and does from the dead. Amen.